Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. There is no other truth that you're going to find that's going to do that for you. There's no greater security that you're going to have other than that. The Word of God is our guide in all things pertaining to life. So walk in the light as He is in the light. And you'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, our lesson teaches us that our sins are not forgiven because we confess. If this were the case, if forgiveness for a sin could only come where there was confession, then we would all be damned because it would be impossible for us to confess every sin we ever committed. We are forgiven because our punishment was put on Jesus. We are cleansed by his blood. That's why we must be born again, by placing our faith and trust in our Savior Jesus Christ and believe in what he did on the cross saved us from the wrath of God. The question is, do you believe? Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Son of God. And here it is. And this is condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their what? Their deeds were evil. There's something about the sin nature. When we are confronted, we like to hide. And light, the very light of the gospel, exposes that darkness. I don't know, anybody, anybody been in Florida and lived in Florida for any length of time? You can have the nicest house, you can have the most fancy house, and you'll get these little palmetto bugs. They're everywhere, in king's houses, in the governor's palace. Little palmetto bugs. I can't stand these little things. They're a form of cockroach. I'm so glad because, I mean, I think the, the, the Florida State bird should be the palmetto bug because they can get really big and they have wings. Thank you, Jesus, that they don't have teeth and are venomous because people would be moving out of Florida. All the people who move from up here down there will be coming back again. <laughs> I'll take the snow and the ice. Just get me away from those creatures. Right, But I bring that up for this because you shine the light and, and if you turn the lights off in the middle of the night you get up and you turn a light on, you can be in your kitchen, you might see one. The light. Even the cockroach knows when it's exposed and it, it flees, it tries to hide because its deeds are evil. <laughs> evil little creatures. I was driving across a bridge one night in southwest Florida, the Fort Myers Bridge, and I, I had my Camaro, and I was uh, 17 years old. My hair was on fire. 
and I had, I had my window down. It was a warm summer night, and I'm driving up over the bridge, and I get right to the apex of the bridge, and I look over, and my window's down, but I got this, 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 this palmetto bug about the size of a, the moon was landed. He was right there on my arm, and I looked at him, and I, I'm supposed to drive a car over a bridge. So here it is, and I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm, and so I, you know, I flick him off, but I almost went over. You know. So they're evil creatures, every one of them. But Jesus is light. I love what it says in Daniel. He says, he reveals, God, he reveals the deep and the secret things. He knows what's in the darkness. Aren't you glad he knows? And light dwells with him. He is the author of it. He is light himself. I love that about Jesus. There's no fear. And I love what it says in 1 Timothy. It says, he alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see. We've certainly seen Jesus. I mean, we haven't seen Jesus, but his disciples saw him physically. But God says, no one has seen God and lived. Meaning, his spirit. God is a spirit. No one has seen God in his essence as spirit and lived. Because had we seen God, we would dissolve in his presence. Unapproachable light. That's why we need a new body to withstand the holiness, the brightness, the illumination, the light of God. I am so looking forward to that. Aren't you? I mean, doesn't that just take your breath away to think that there is a being so pure, so holy, so loving, it's just radiating such an intensity that in our flesh we would disintegrate in front of him. And he's like, i got to give you a new body so I can have fellowship with you. I mean, that will spark your worship life. That'll spark your worship of God, just dwelling on that, unapproachable light. That's who he is. And James tells us that there is no variation or shadow of turning within him. He's amazing. He's wonderful. I want you to look at verse 6. From verse 6 all the way to verse 2, verse um, 1, I want you to underline a few things. Notice in verse 6, right in the beginning, just underline three words, if we say... And then in verse 7, if we walk. In verse 8, if we say. Verse 9, if we confess. Verse 10, if we say. And then finally in chapter 2, in verse 1, and if anyone sins, if anyone sins. Notice this, write these down, underline these, because they're setting up, these are conditional phrases. The idea is if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet we do something else, if we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And see, these are decisions that we have to make. These are conditions, and, we, and, a, and, a, and a, a, these conditions require a decision. If we say this and do this, but what happens if we walk in this way? There's decisions that each of us have to make. We make them every day. What are we going to wear? What are we going to, where are we going to live? Where are we going to go to school? We have to make decisions about who we are going to be. And who are we going to obey? Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey our flesh and our own desires, our feelings? Are you going to obey your feelings? It's a very dangerous road if you're a person given to following your feelings. There's a gentleman by the name of Ralph Waldo Emerson. I wouldn't recommend any of his writings to you because he didn't believe in God at all. He didn't believe in Jesus. But he has a famous quote that I think is very true. And let me read it to you. He says, Sow a thought, and you reap an action. Sow an act, and you reap a habit. Sow a habit, and you reap a character. Sow a character, and you reap a destiny. 
The idea behind all this, of course, is every decision that we make, if we say we do this and we do something else, if we walk and we do something else, these are decisions we have to make. We have to make decisions. And these decisions determine our final outcome. I'm so glad that the decision for Christ has been made. That's the main decision you need to make today. And if you haven't made that decision for Christ, please do it today. Do not leave this church without giving your heart completely and unreservedly over to him. Because eternal darkness and hell is real. And an eternity with God is very, very real. It is all real, folks. So important that we believe in Christ. He loves you. He created all things for you to enjoy. Enjoy the things that he's created. But we have, there's parameters, there's boundaries in our enjoyment of those things that he's created. And so we have to make decisions. We have to be very careful. Let's go to verse 6. It says, If we say that we have fellowship him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, John is uh, speaking of something here that the Gnostics, if you remember, one of the reasons John wrote this letter was to refute some of the beliefs of the Gnostics. And the Gnostics believed in an idea called antinomianism. That's a very fancy word, but simply what it means this is a view that Christians are released by grace from the obligation of from observing the moral law. In other words, it's, you know, I can just do what I want then. Does that sound like Christianity? That's what antinomianism is. The Spirit is everything, so since I'm flesh and the Spirit of God dwells in me, then the Spirit is all that matters, so whatever I do in the flesh doesn't really matter. Yes, it does. Yes, it does mean something. We have to crucify that old nature and put on Christ and walk in newness of life. To walk in the light as he is in the light. There are many Christians today that say they are right with God and walking in the light, but they have grown rather complacent maybe lazy, and they've allowed things into their life that they shouldn't. And whenever anyone brings it to their attention, they use the grace card. Have you ever used the grace card? Oh, but God's a God of grace, bro. Yeah, he is a God of grace. And because you're using grace as a, uh, an excuse for what you're doing, you don't understand grace. Because had you understood grace, you would be falling on your face and thanking him for allowing your next breath. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful about God? He's very concerned about sin. He's so much concerned that he gave his own life for you. I think that's pretty radical. I think that's pretty severe for God to do such a thing. And so we have to make decisions. We have to walk in the light as he is in the light. If we say, verse 6, we have that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And this walking in darkness is something that someone does habitually, something they do continuously. It, it's not just one sin. It's not just one action. It's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a, it's a life that has been completely given over to something. And when you do that, you're proving that there's nothing going on inside. You're proving that the light is not in you if you are completely given over to darkness. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. We all know that. And you may struggle with a habitual sin this morning. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be sex. It could be whatever it is. But know that God is on your side, and he'll give you the power by the Spirit to, to combat those things. But you've got to be a willing vessel. You've got to be a willing participant on that wheel as he spins the clay. And as he starts to form your life, and he starts to put his hand down and pull out the junk, and starts to form you into a beautiful vase, God wants to do that to you, in you. 
But when we walk in darkness, when we walk in shadiness or obscurity, these are the things that we have to be careful of. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That word fellowship is koinonia. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me ask you a question. Are you walking in the light this morning? Are you walking in the light or are you still deceiving yourself and thinking that God doesn't know what you're doing in the darkness and that no one knows about it? You can fool everyone. You can even try fooling yourself, but you cannot fool God. God knows everything. The light and the darkness are the same to him. You can turn off the lights and do whatever deed you are doing in darkness and It can be pitch black, but God still knows as if the light was on. You could hide from every human being. But why is it that we forsake the one who can see all things and knows all things? Well, because we don't see him physically, we think we're getting away with it. But we need to walk in the light and not walk in the darkness. And when we walk in the spirit, we are walking in the light. And if you're walking in the light, you'll be walking in the spirit. I love what it says in Psalm 119 when David wrote this psalm. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What does light do? Light illuminates. I love this verse because it's a lamp to my feet. It's, just, it's showing me just the, the spot right in front of me, which I need for my next step. I need to see where I'm going. But it also says, you're a light unto my path. He illuminates the path right in front of me. I can't see way down there. I don't know. I, I know in generalities what's happening at the end, but from, from this moment right in front of me until just a little bit out of far ahead of me. After that, I can't really see. But God's word is a lamp under my feet. Do you, are you reading the word? Are you walking in the light? Walk in the light. Be children of light. Let it illuminate the path immediately in front of you and several yards out in front of you. A lamp under my feet and a light to my path. There is no other truth that you're going to find that's going to do that for you. There's no greater security that you're going to have other than that. The word of God is our guide in all things pertaining to life. So walk in the light as he is in the light. And you'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at the first 13 verses of this. I love this encouragement from Paul writing to the Romans. He says, There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, and he condemned He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what walking in the light is, is walking in the Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to walk in the light, and vice versa. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what are you going to choose this morning? Verse 7, he says, Because the carnal mind is enmity or hatred against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But notice the encouragement. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God indwells you. So if you're a believer in Christ and you've got the Spirit of God indwelling you, 
You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So we, the ex- exhortation is to walk in the spirit. Does that mean that you can um, still uh, do things according to the flesh? Absolutely. But we're going to see later on the encouragement from John as well. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God indwells you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, notice you will live. So we need to walk in the spirit. We need to walk in the light of Christ. I would encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 5, the very first 13 verses. Time doesn't really permit us to do that this morning, but I would encourage you to do that because you are the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said that of himself, but then with his, in his, to his disciples in Matthew 5, he says, but now you are the light of the world. I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be departing. But now you guys are to be the light of the world. You're the ones who are to take the message out to all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that not what he said to them before he ascended into the clouds on the Mount of Olives, from the Mount of Olives? He said, you are the light of the world. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, notice there's two things that happens when we walk in the light. Number one, we have fellowship. We have that koinonia, that, 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 that relationship that is, uh, there's joint participation. Every, you know, the two parties involved in it benefit from this union. That's what koinonia is. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship, number one, with God. And the second thing is, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Have you been washed in the blood? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Right? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. What does walking in the light look like practically? Well, it means that we are in communication with God, that we're people of prayer. That's part of it. It means that we turn away from evil things. We turn away from evil thoughts, evil actions, and we do what the Word of God tells us. And we do what we know is right to do, even if it's hard to do it. Because, listen, very rarely will doing the right thing be easy. It is always easier to sin or commit sins of omission. <laughs> we, we can commit sins. Sometimes we sin by not doing something we should be doing. That's what's called a sin of omission. God wants you to do something, but you say, you know what, somebody else will do it. And God says, no, I called you to do it. I want you to do it. Oh, I'm too busy, Lord. Okay. Hmm. Walking in the Spirit, walking in the light, are doing these things. And there could be a list of many more of things of this. But what about some practical examples? Men, walking in the light means if you see an attractive woman jogging down Browncroft Boulevard when you leave here today, that you don't take a, a long first look. And you certainly don't take a second. Walking in the light means you see her, regardless of how she's dressed, You turn your eyes because you know yourself. You turn away and you think of something else and you don't look back. A little fire 
will create a tempest. You don't need that. Trust me, and I can tell you, the more you do that, the more free you'll be from lust and women for you as well. Same thing. Practical. How do we do that? Or what happens if we're at work and a co-worker begins to gossip about something? Do we stop them and not entertain it? By doing so, you are walking in the light. When we see someone who is genuinely in need, do we help them if we can? If we can. Do we laugh at filthy jokes? Do we listen to music that doesn't glorify the Lord? Do we watch movies and read magazines that are just full of junk? By abstaining from those things, we are walking in the light. We're, we're, we're choosing to push away and then to do something else. Getting into the word of God and letting him change our life. Remember the phrase, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. You sow a character and you reap a destiny. It's true, isn't it? Even though I don't really hold to anything else this man says, but I I believe that that's true. These kinds of things. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The word sin here is hamartia. It's It's the word for sin. It just means missing the mark. Notice verse 8 in our text this morning. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Notice that the word is singular. If we say that we have no sin, that means it's talking about the sin nature. We were all born with a sin nature. Some people believe that we haven't been born with a sin nature. Some people think that, well, there's good in everybody. There's, you know, every, there's good in everybody. No, there isn't any good in anybody. That's the, that's the horrible truth. There's nothing good in us. Otherwise, why did we need to be born again? Why did we need a new nature when the old nature was so corrupt and bent on rebellion? We need a new nature. That's what being born again is, is receiving the very nature of God by asking him and and, and saying, God, I believe in everything you said. Forgive me, Lord. Spirit of God, come upon me. Come into me. Consume me and make my life meaningful. Make my life glorify you, Lord. I love you. You save me from an eternity. Man, I can't escape the idea of eternity. It never ends. I mean, if you think about it long enough, it'll drive you insane. Eternity, folks, it never ends. Think about it very carefully. I wish I could have a microphone on top of the Empire State Building and have amplifiers that would just echo out throughout the United States and just say, "Remember, think of this. People don't think anymore. There are very few thinkers today. They have little sound bites that they get from... Rush Limbaugh, or they have a soundbite that they get from so-and-so, and a little soundbite here, and they're fed this stuff, and they don't, even know what they, they don't even know what they're thinking. They're getting all their stuff from somebody else. Think. Think about it. <laughs> it's not that hard. It's profound, but it's not hard. But John here is speaking of the sin nature. If we say that we don't have a sin nature, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And here John is combating this Gnostic belief that since all matter is evil and only the spirit is what is important, that we, that we do not have a sin nature. No, we have a sin nature. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, we do. I wish I didn't. But it says this in Romans chapter 5. If you think, well, I'm not a sinner, I don't have sin in me. Well, look what Romans says in chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Paul says to them, Therefore, just as through one man, he's speaking of Adam, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For until the law, 
Sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.